Good evening to those in social media land. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship coming to you with our Saturday night message. We thank you once again for tuning in with us, whether you watch it tonight or tomorrow morning. We're just grateful that you're tuning in. Once again, we would love for you to share this with your family and friends if you enjoy this. And we just coming off a um, Holy Week Resurrection Sunday, and we pray to God that you had a a joyous week, a joyous Sunday, Sunday, um, just remembering what Jesus did for us on Calvary. But I pray that you will, um, that it won't just be an event in your life. I hope, pray that you will make Resurrection Sunday a lifestyle. Because every day we live, we should live and be, in, be thankful for what jesus has done for us and so every day we should live that and so i pray that you will begin if you're not doing it i pray that you will begin to um <clears throat> just allow god to minister to you and live your life in gratitude of what he has done for us and so i encourage you to do that but last week i preached on it was Resurrection Sunday, so I preached a resurrection message. But we want to get back to our series that we've been talking about. Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? This, this came from um, Psalm 73. The psalmist there, and when you, I encourage you to go and read it. But the song is there. He is questioning whether God is really worth it or not. Because he's he starts out by saying he he realized that God is good, but he said he almost slipped when he thought about the prosperity of the wicked. When he began to look at all that was going on, how the wicked were prospering, they was being so successful and he was doing bad. And so, and he says, hey, it was just too much for him. And he began to question my, I took away from that song that he was saying, is Jesus worth it? You know, I'm doing everything I can know how to do, but it seemed like I'm not getting anywhere. And See, like I got trouble on every side and he was just very discouraged. But then he gets down to about verse 16 and 17 and says, but when I went in the sanctuary, then I understood their end. Because he was simply saying that he looked, began to look at the bigger picture and began to see that, hey, the wicked, they're going to be cut off eventually. They may, things may look good for them now, but he recognized what he had in Christ Jesus. And we got to recognize too what you have. Things may be tough for you right now. But <clears throat> we got to recognize what we have in Christ Jesus. Look at the big picture. And I'm just want to encourage you tonight to look at the big picture. And we've been dealing with some things. And tonight I'm going to be dealing with, you know, a subject on top of fix your thoughts on Jesus. OK, that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about is Jesus worth it? This is part four of this series. And we're talking about tonight. I want to focus on fix your thoughts on Jesus. And what does that really mean? Okay, when you fix your thoughts on something, otherwise you just don't glance at it, you stare at it, you stare it down. You really, it really has your attention. And so this is what we're talking about, fix your thoughts on Jesus. So if, if being a Christian feels hard during um, this season in your life, um, pay attention to the encouragement that, that the author Hebrew gives. And so in Hebrews chapter verse three, verse one, 
chapter three, verse one. Here's what it says. It says, see, I'm thinking I'm reading, I'm reading this from the um King James. It says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He knows he said, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Excuse me for the verse. It's not King James version, but it's the New Living Translation. But it says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. So if, if you're having a tough time in this season of your life, and you haven't had a tough time trusting God's plan, because, you know, I've had time, tough times trusting God's plan, but you can't see what God is taking, or maybe you have a hard time forgiving a person that hurt you. Somebody that hurt you, and maybe through that person hurting you, you say, "Well, you know, is is Jesus worth it?" Or you know, just ministry. Why? Maybe you experienced hurt in your ministry, church you went to, whatever the case may have been hurt by some Christian organized religion going to a ministry. Maybe you've been hurt by those things, and so those things begin to make you question: Is Jesus worth it? But notice that the writer here says. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. He says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And so just kind of give it, I said that the Israelites knows that you're talking about the calling. Okay. It's one of, it says who share in the heavenly call. We have a heavenly calling. Okay. So Israel had an earthly calling, the Israelites. Okay. They were called out of Egypt to go into the promised land. So we're talking about calling. God called us. He gave us, when we got saved, we get born again, he gives us a, a heavenly calling. Israelite, as I say here, has a earthly calling, but we have a heavenly calling. Okay? And when I say when I'm talking about Israel, they were called out of Egypt to go to the promised land. But Christians, we have a heavenly calling. We are invited to leave the bondage of sin and go into the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so we've been called out of a life of sin. Actually, I don't have really had time to get into it. Um, when we talk about the call of God, it really has three um, phases to it. There's the initial call, which is what they're talking about here, <clears throat> leaving a life of sin. And going to the kingdom of God. But then there's the, a progressive call. Where God is calling us. Once you say God calls you. He's separating you from the world. As I said earlier. Um, I'm talking about how God called us to be holy. And the holy word holy means. Means different or distinctive. So when he calls us. He's calling us. That call separates us from the world. To be different. To be very distinctive. <clears throat> to do his will. He in that calling, he gives us our assignment, the things that we're supposed to be doing. And then there's the final call, which is when we begin, when God calls us home and we meet Jesus face to face. And so those are the three aspects of a heavenly calling. But like I said, once again, I don't have time. I can get into that deeper, but that may be another lesson for another time. <clears throat> but he does this, he calls us. Okay. God called you. This is why Jesus is worth it, worth it because you have a heavenly calling. You've been called by God. You've been called by God to do something great 
in this earth, okay, for him. The more, like I said, the most important that we've been called out of a life of sin, okay? And to, to go into the kingdom, now we are part of the kingdom and we have to find uh, what the kingdom does, what the kingdom assignment is. So we've been called to that. But I want to focus on another scripture that I basically, that's basically I'm dealing with two scriptures, that one, excuse me, which is in Hebrews chapter three and one. But I want to stay in that same book, okay, tonight. And I really want to focus on that. Hebrews chapter two, excuse me, chapter 12, verse two. Okay, verse two. We're talking about fixing our thoughts. We're talking about fixing our thoughts on Jesus because here, once again, I'm going to read it in Hebrews chapter three, verse one. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. So I want you to get a picture of you fixing your, your thoughts on something, or fixing on something, fixing your eyes on something. Okay. And we're going to deal with it. He also goes back. He makes, the writer makes that point in chapter three, verse one. And then he goes further. And what we see here in Hebrews 12, Verse two, um, some of you may be familiar with this, but I want to read it. And I'm reading from the King James Bible. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're talking about fixing our thoughts, fixing our thoughts, our minds on Jesus. So the writer says here, okay, so how do we do that? He goes on to say, look unto Jesus. <clears throat> so we're looking at him. It says, who is the author and finisher of our faith? Okay, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to go and read the first verse. Let me go back and read the first verse. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faiths, let us strap off, strip off, excuse me, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So guess what? You, you, we are running a race here. Because the verse, chapter 11, talks about faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things over the evidence of things not seen. Okay, and that whole verse is talking about, that excuse me, the whole chapter is talking about our, our faith, what faith is and what faith does. And it talks about all the people who had faith back in the Old Testament. And it talks about, but it says, don't let, strip off everything that's holding you back. So you may be questioning, okay, is Jesus worth it? Because you allowing things to hold you back. What is holding you back tonight? What is holding you back? What is keeping you? What is making you question, is Jesus worth it? If, if it's something, whatever it is holding you back, that's making you question what Jesus is worth, it says, it says, here, strip it off. Strip it off the weight that slows you down. That thing that's making you question what Jesus worth Strip it all, and it says, and it says, um, the, the sin is so easy, and said, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. We have a race to run, okay? This is why Jesus is worth it because 
He's already won the victory. We're running our race. So, hey, but it says we're supposed to be keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay. So, as a runner has to have a goal and a prize to press toward. Because so we you got to have a goal and a prize to press toward. A runner is not running for nothing. He's running to win a prize. Jesus should be our example and should occupy our focus. Because Jesus, when he came, he knew what his mission was. And he ran that race and he finished it. So Jesus should be our example and we should be focused on him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it and guess what? He's going to finish it. So if, if we aren't focused on Jesus, our faith will never be complete. If, 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 you, if we're not focused on Jesus, your faith will never be complete. It's in, otherwise it says incomplete. It's not saying you don't have any faith. It says it's incomplete. You have to be focused on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus tonight. This will um, begin. If you do that, then you will be able to not question whether Jesus is worth it or not when you focus your thoughts on him. So the question, I want to ask, so how did Jesus run his race? Okay. He had a mission. He came. How did he do it? We, we know he won his race, but, but, but how did he do it? Jesus got the victory for us. Okay. But how did he do it? This verse reveals that he was focused on the joy that was set before him. See, Jesus was looking at the joy that, in other words, he saw the bigger picture. Jesus endured pain and suffering as no one else ever has. I want you to know whatever you're going through tonight, it can't even compare to what Jesus suffered for us, okay? It can't even compare. It's not even on the same stratosphere. So he suffered all that. He endured pain and suffering that no one else ever had. He not only endured this pain in the physical realm as he bore the sickness and disease of the whole world, but he suffered spiritually as he literally became sin for us. See, Jesus, he became sin. The Bible says, it says, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 5 and 21, it says he became sin who knew no sin, that we may become the righteousness of God. He became sin. He was a sin offering for us, took care of our sins, past, present, and future, took care of that. So sin, once you become born again, sin is no longer an issue to God when it comes to you. Your, your bad behavior is not an issue for God. It's not an issue for him. He took care of that. Took care of that on Calvary, okay? So he became a sin offering for us. Yet, he wasn't occupied with the suffering, okay? All that Jesus went through, he wasn't occupied with the suffering, but the spoils of the victory. So Jesus, look at what, he wasn't focused on his suffering, he was focused on me and you making sure 
that, you know what, he paid the price for our sins. He was focused on that. Okay, he was focused on that. That's why he was able to endure such contradiction of sins against him. And that is the same for us. This is why he was able to do it. So I wanted you to, to know tonight, if, if you're questioning, is Jesus working? Where's your focus at? Okay, where's your focus at? Because if your focus is not on Jesus, then yet you're going to begin to focus on the pain and the suffering. And I'm not saying deny what's happening to you. That's not what I'm saying tonight. I'm just saying don't focus on it. I know your pain is real. I know you've been hurt. I know what you're going through right now is tough. And I know you, you're questioning saying, well, hey, is Jesus working? I've been there. I've, I've been through some tough times and struggled and wonder when the end was going to come. But, you know, I had to learn not to focus on that, but to focus on Jesus and what he had done for. And, and I knew that it wouldn't last always. Somebody wrote a song, Trouble Don't Last Always. Okay, so we got to understand that he 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 wasn't occupied with the suffering, but the spoils of the victory. That's why he was able to endure such contradictions against sins against himself. Okay, so to endure hardship, we have to follow the, this example that Jesus, example of Jesus, and fix our eyes on the good and not the bad. Now I know what I'm saying here is pretty strong, and he said, "Well, I don't know if I can do it." But you've got to train, focus on the good and not the bad. Jesus was obviously, was, excuse me, Jesus wasn't oblivious of the suffering that was coming his way. We can see that during his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before the crucifixion. He revealed, he revealed his anguish to the Father and asked to accomplish his will another way. But when he understood that there was no other way, he put the suffering behind him and focus on the joy that will come to you and me as a result of the sacrifice. So Jesus is an example. He said it gives it. He. The Bible gives a picture of in the God of Gethsemane where he was suffering. The Bible says sweat drop, just drops of blood. Died. He was so um, depressed and so suffered so much because of what he had to go through for us. And he asked the father, says, you know what? If there's another way, if there's another way that I can do this, he said, let this cup pass for me. But we know when, and when he prayed three times and then his third prayer was, father, not my will, but your will be done. And we know that God's will was done through him because we through him have everlasting life. So he wasn't he he be, he wasn't focused on the pain. Okay, he focused on the joy that was set before him. Other words, guess what? You are the apple. Who was that joy? It was us. It was us. Okay, and so you have to. Jesus is example. You got to do the same thing. I'm not going to focus on my problem. I'm not going to focus on my circumstance. I'm not going to focus on my dilemma right now. I'm not going to focus, not that it's real, but I'm going to focus on the good. I'm going to focus, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher 
of my faith and your faith. He's the finisher of it. So the English word despising, in, in the Greek, it is translated to think against or to disesteem. Okay. The English word esteem means to value or prize. So Jesus disesteem or devalue the suffering he experienced. Now that's pretty strong. So he didn't esteem it, he disteem it. He devalued the suffering that he was going through for us. He devalued it. He says, you know what? We, the people he was dying for, mean more. He focused on that more than what he went through on Calvary. And that's pretty awesome. That, that's, that's enough to praise God right there. But most people today rec don't recognize we have the power to esteem or disesteem things that happen to us. See, you don't recognize, you now, you have the power. No, this says, I want to make that clear. We don't recognize that we have the power to either esteem or disesteem the things that happen to us. You have the power. I know that it said God has the power. We know he has power, but he has given us the power we have the power of Jesus Christ living on the inside. And so you have the power to either esteem or disesteem things that's happened to you. Now, I know that may be shocking to some of you to say, well, you know, but you have the power. They proclaim that we are totally products of our environment and have no power to control our reaction. Now, notice what I said here. I'm not saying you can control what happened to you, but you can control how you respond. You have that power within you. That's what we're talking about when you have to recognize you have the power to esteem or disesteem something. You have the power to control how you respond. That's on you. How you So the question to, I'm asking you now, how are you responding to your situation, to your things, to the things around you? See, because the world teaches we are a product of our environment. I want you to know you are not a product of your environment. You may have grown up in a dysfunctional home or, you know what, you may have been mistreated by somebody. You may be in a bad marriage. You may have been molested by your father or mother or mistreated by somebody, hurt, whatever the case may be. But society says that you are a product of your environment. But God says you have the power, okay, to either esteem or disesteem. He said, I've given you the ability to focus. If you focus on Jesus, fix your thoughts on Jesus, I guarantee you, focus on the victory that he paid for. That thing will lose its power on you. It will lose its power. See, but it says, it says they proclaim that we are totally products of our environment and we have no power to control our reaction. But that's not what this verse is teaching. Okay, this is not teaching that. Our minds are like magnifying glasses, okay? Whenever we focus our attention on 
becomes bigger and more dominant in our lives. So what are you focusing on? Because the more you focus on something, the bigger it gets. Your mind is, is the magnifying glass. The more you focus on, the more you thinking and pondering. That's what worrying. Some of you, you're worriers. Okay. And when the more you worry, the bigger the problem gets. The more you worry, the bigger the problem gets. That's because it's become dominant in your life. Okay. Whatever we fail to focus our attention on begins to shrink in importance and influence. Let me say it again. Whatever we focus, we fail to focus our attention on begins to shrink in importance and influence. We may still retain the knowledge, but the impact of that knowledge diminishes the less we focus on it. Now, I, I said a lot there. Let me let me look at this. Let's, let's look at this. So it says, whatever we fail to focus our attention on begins to shrink in importance and influence. Okay, so that could be in the positive or the negative. So let me ask you a question tonight. If you're focusing on the problem, then you're going to begin to ask this question, is Jesus worth it? Why? Because the problem has become so big, okay, that, hey, you said, you know what? Is Jesus worth it? Because I can't see my way out. But check this out. If you fail to focus on your problem, it begins to shrink and become of little importance. So if you begin to focus less on your problem and focus more on Jesus, then the problem will get smaller and your God will get bigger. Now, it can work just the opposite. Maybe you're questioning tonight. Maybe this is maybe the reason why you're asking the question, is Jesus worth it? Because guess what? Notice it says here that our attention begins, whenever we fail to focus our attention on big, on begins to shrink and important. So if Jesus, if you be failed to focus on him, he begins to shrink. Why don't you think about what I'm saying? Has he shrunk in your life? Have you given Jesus a demotion? Because you're thinking less about him and more on the problem. Now the problem is big, but I want you tonight to reverse that thing. I want you to focus more on God. Okay. Okay. And make him bigger and focus less on your problem and watch it shrink. Because notice it says it. It says, we may retain the knowledge, but the impact of the knowledge diminishes the less we focus on it. Okay. So I'm speaking to somebody. You still retain the knowledge although you haven't lost your knowledge about god okay but he has diminished in your eyes this is why you're saying is jesus worth it he has diminished in your eyes okay so you still retain that means it's i like what it says that you may retain the knowledge although you still save you still save you 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 know what Christ did for you, 
But the thing is, but the impact, God has no impact on your life. Why? Because he, you have diminished him because you're not focusing on him. But, but I want you tonight, I, I, I challenge you to switch that up. I challenge you to begin to focus on Jesus and make him big and begin to focus less on your problem and make your problem small. Because we serve a big God. But the thing is, how big is he to you? Because if you begin to focus on the problem, then your God will have less impact on your life. Okay. Because you, you begin to focus less on him. So therefore, we who are the ones, we are the ones who place value or lack of value on, on everything that happens to us. Let me say it again. You are the one who place value or lack of value on everything that's happened to you. You are the one. See, one of the things we do in our, and we all get to, I'm going to tell you, we don't want to take responsibility for our part. We want to blame it all on God. I've been there too. Well, God, why you allow this to happen? God, why has this happened to me? God, I don't understand. And you know, your questions may be legitimate, but the thing is, you're placing so much value on what's happened to you instead of placing value on the word of God where God says, hey, I will supply all your needs according to by Christ Jesus. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. By his stripes, you are healed. Okay, you need to focus on those things and become big. So you are the one who placed value or lack of value on anything that's happened to you. That's why people go who go through the exact same thing will have different reactions. Is somebody that's going through the same thing you're going through, but their reaction is different. Some become obsessed with the problem, while others are able to place a different value on what's happened and move on. She said, somebody going through the same thing you're going through. But the only problem is you are magnifying the problem and they're not. They're focusing on Jesus, that he's a deliverer, that he's, you know, a healer, that he's a provider. Why? Because they're standing on the promises of God. When you begin to focus on that, you won't be asking the question, is Jesus worth it? Matter of fact, you'd be saying he is worth it regardless of what I'm going through. Because I'm not, they're not obsessed with the problem, but they are what obsessed with Jesus. And this is what we got to become. You've got to become obsessed with Jesus and not the problem. Once again, I'm not telling you to deny your problems. It's not saying you're not going to cry. It's not saying you don't get hurt. You're going to experience those things. And we're not, I'm not telling you not to be human. But what I'm simply saying is that you need to focus on Jesus. Okay? Focus, put your focus on him. Or as we said tonight, fix your thoughts, your mind, your thinking on Jesus. So fix your thoughts on Jesus. Don't, don't glance at Jesus or stroll past or spend an hour a week um, thinking about Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Okay, the author, 
is convinced that if we do that, the author of Hebrew, that we will realize that Jesus is worth it, no matter how hard falling him might feel. Okay, so I want to ask, because somebody asked, well, okay, you're telling me to, to fix my thoughts on Jesus, fix it. I know, I know I'm telling you that. Well, you said, well, how do I do that? Okay, how do I do that? Well, let's let's go to Joshua because we're almost done. But I want to. I just don't want you to walk away with with just you know me preaching and you know fix your thoughts on Jesus. You may be asking, well, how do how do I do that? How do I do that? Okay, let's look at Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Oh, well, let's start at verse six. I want to I want to start. I'm reading from a New Living Translation. And this is um, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua. He's charging Joshua. And it says here, Joshua chapter one, verse six. It says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. I will give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Turn neither to the left nor to the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book, verse 8 of instructions. Continue it. Meditate on it. Day and night, so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Listen to what the Lord is telling Joshua. It says, study this book of continually. It says, meditate on it day and night. So you may say, well, how do I fix my thoughts on it? Meditate on the word of God day and night. Day and night now. See now, and I know somebody said, well, you know what? I don't, I don't like to read scripture. I don't like to get in the word because I just don't get anything out of it. Well, let me ask you a question. Because if you, if you go to the doctor and you're sick, what does the doctor tell you? Well, he checks you out. He or she checks you out. And... You know what? Once they find out what's wrong, they may give you a prescription. And what does that prescription would take? That, that prescription may tell you, well, take this medication, take one three times a day, or take one two times a day, or take two two times a day. And it says, in other words, and they say you'll feel better if you do that. Now, we will take that dog's instruction, we'll go home. And take that medication. Why? Because we believe in the instructions that the doctor has given us. Well, here's what God is saying. He's saying in Joshua. I know he's talking to Israel at the time, but he's speaking to us. He says, meditate on the word day and night. What is you doing? When you meditate on it, you are fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Okay. So I encourage, this is what, if you, if you're going to get beyond this mindset of is Jesus worth it, then you got to begin to fix your thoughts on Jesus Why? by meditating in the word day and night. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, it may, be, may mean something different for each one of us. Maybe your best time to study the Bible is in the morning. Maybe for some people, maybe at night. For some of you, maybe on your break in your job. But be consistent at whatever you do. Okay. Find time in the word. Find scriptures that are uh, that that will fit your situation. That's related to your situation, whatever that situation is, and begin to meditate and speak those scriptures out into yourself. You know, begin to meditate on, allow God to speak to you, focus on his promises. This is how we fix our thoughts on Jesus. See, you you can't, you, you're not going to going to grow. You're not going to be, your problem is not going to get smaller rather if you don't do this. You could, why? You will always be focused on the problem. You will always be thinking about the problem. Otherwise, then the problem is going to get bigger and then Jesus is going to get smaller. Okay. So this is what I'm, I'm encouraging you tonight to fix your thoughts on Jesus, why? By meditate on the word day and night. And it says if you do that, you will prosper and be successful. You're going to be successful. Why? Because, hey, notice what I said tonight. You determine, you have the power to either esteem something or disesteem something. That's You control that. And as you yield yourself to God, as you focus more on you, as you yield yourself to his thoughts, his ways, to what he's saying to you, then you'll find that God will begin to get bigger and your problem will begin small. In other words, it would lose its significance. It would lose its power over you. Not that you're not going through it, but you know what? You have the, the joy, the Bible says joy unspeakable. Okay, you have that peace that surpasses all understanding as you focus, you fix your thoughts on Jesus. Okay, so I, I encourage you to do that tonight. This is how you're going to get beyond this mindset of, is Jesus worth it? There, there are glorious things about Jesus that you won't notice with a quick glance. Okay, you won't notice it. So fix your thoughts on his on his cross. Think deeply about who he is. God in the flesh, who you are, which is a sinner who deserves wrath and what he has chosen to do for us. What do you do by dying? He proved his love by dying for us. The thoughts of his sacrifice. will put our sacrifice in perspective. Reminding you that God is still good and that his son is worthy to be praised. Okay, so you, you, you're not going you're not going to get beyond this mindset of of is Jesus worth it if you're just taking a quick glance. If you're just spending, you know, a few minutes in the scripture. Okay, and I'm not saying you may spend a few minutes, but spend it seven days a week. Spend some time. Make some time for God. You will have to do this intentionally. Okay? You will have to be intentional about what you're doing. And watch God get the glory out of your life. So I just want to encourage you tonight to do that. Because he is worthy of our praise. Maybe you're saying, you know what? Is Jesus worth it? 
Well, he's worth it. And then he'll become bigger in your eyes as you fix your thoughts on him. Let me pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every ear that's hearing this message. I thank you, God, that you, your Holy Spirit is moving in their life right now. God, thank you for working their situation out, their circumstances out. God, but I thank for you that they are fixing their mind on you, their thoughts on you. God, I pray that they will yield their thought life to you and allow you to become bigger in their life. Thank you for setting them free from that stronghold that's in their mind. I thank you, God, for delivering them. And God, that they will begin to focus on your word and begin to allow your word to change the way they think. And God, I thank you for victory in their life that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. And I thank you for doing a work in their life right now. Thank you for setting somebody free right now who's listening to me. That God, that you, Holy Spirit, you are ministering to them. And God, thank you for letting them know that Jesus is worth it. For that person who's about to give up, I speak strength, supernatural strength coming to them right now in the name of Jesus. God, I give you all the glory, all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening. We will be back again with you next week on another installment of Is Jesus Worth It? And I want you to know he is worth it. But how do you do that? How do you know he's worth it? If you fix your thoughts on him, you'll find out that he is worthy of all our praise. Once again, see you next week. Thank you and bye-bye.